0: following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making him known. We're jumping back into the book of Romans and it is the book that changed the world literally. The book of Romans changed the world. Chuck Swindoll says about Romans he says it's the most important book in the Bible. Another commentator said every great revival in history can be traced back to this book of Romans. If you understand the book of Romans, you'll understand the rest of the Bible because the book of Romans is like the pulse. It's like the heartbeat of what God's doing. There's so much disclosure and insight, understanding to the kingdom. It is absolutely amazing. So we took a little break for, for Christmas and New Year and we're jumping back in with a passion. And today, this section that we're dealing with the last chapter, this chapter, and the next chapter, are dealing with probably the oldest question that humanity has ever had. If you look back at all civilizations, deep in the soul of human beings throughout time, throughout history, has been this deep longing of understanding, who am I? I mean, really, who am I? And people across the world, in every civilization, have long sought to understand, I mean, who am I really? Who am I supposed to be? And ever since the beginning of time, people have been going on a quest, a lifelong journey of trying to discover, who am I really? Who am I supposed to be? Why am I here? What's going on? Trying to understand meaning. Some people climb Mount Everest to try to discover the answer. Other people go off in solitude to try to find the answer. It's a noble quest. We all ought to know, who am I really? Well, the book of Romans is answering it right now, and it's pretty profound. And my prayer today is that you get revelation and discovery in your own life on who you are really. I'm going to speak to you today about your identity. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor, you don't really know me well enough to speak to me. About my identity I may not know you well enough but the living God knows our identity really really well he knows our natures he knows his plan and this passage is going to start to disclose and bring to light realities about our nature our old nature our new nature some radical dimensions and I think a lot of folks miss out on this and they miss out on an enormous part of the kingdom of God there was that song earlier this is my story This is my song. Everyone in the room has a story that's being written right now. Everyone in the room has a song, whether you've sung it out loud yet or not. God's given you a story. He's given you a song. That story can be one of, I went through life. I struggled. I tried. I tried hanging on as hard as I could till the end. Or it can be a story of God's glory Let me tell you what the living God did through me. It wasn't me, it was him. But let me tell you what he did when I got out of the way. When I discovered who I am, who I'm supposed to be, who he is, things started to change. You can have a completely different story and song if you understand this aspect of identity that Paul's talking about here. Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Well, just to start off, I want to just touch on what we covered last time we got together. We were in Romans 5. And Paul talked about Adam. And he said Adam was the the first Adam, of course, and then Jesus was the second Adam. He had some pretty cool conclusions. He said the first Adam, his life had like this overflow effect into your life and in mine. That the DNA of Adam ended up coming into our lives. His sin, his fall, his nature, everything. It had an overflow effect. That's the first Adam. And we, like it says in uh, Chronicles of Narnia... We are sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. That's a fact of life on planet Earth for every human being to understand that. There's many who don't understand they were born a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve, so to speak. And since they don't understand that, they wonder why they're doing half the things they're doing. They're trying to fix their life, repair their life, self-help. They're trying all sorts of things on this journey, this quest to know who am I? They forgot the first point that Paul covers. We're sons of Adam. We're daughters of Eve. That's how we were born. That's why we do the things that we do. That's why we act the way we act. We were born into that spiritual DNA. The good news is that there was a second Adam. The second Adam was Jesus. And he undid, undid all the mess of the first Adam. That is really cool. The second Adam gave us a new nature. The first Adam was a a life taker and the second Adam was a life giver. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, "'For as in Adam all die, "'even so in Christ all shall be made alive.'" So there's this cool thing about a new nature that you and I have that we're gonna talk about. It has a lot to do with your identity, but many are confused because they are still stuck in the old identity and many have not identified any of these realities. And as a result, wandering through life, trying to figure it out, trying to crack the code and not getting in on the understanding of really your God-given position. If you're a believer this morning, you have a God-given position. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. It was freely given to you. And many even believers don't understand what that God-given position is. And as a result, wander and meander trying to figure out why am I doing the stuff I do and I don't understand who I am. Paul wants to bust that wide open today. The last time to set this up as well, it left us with a verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. It left us with this verse where sin increased in the world grace increased even more. So that even though Adam and people messed up all along, what Jesus did increased even more. So in other words, he undid everything. And what he was realizing is that some people, believers, were saying, all right, so if the sin increases and the grace increases more, technically, I can get away with more stuff. That's what people were thinking. I mean, Jesus' grace surpasses anything I could really do Technically, so why can't I just get away with more stuff? People were starting to think that way. Maybe you know some folks that think that way. Years ago, I moved to LA for music to pursue a music career. I came up here and we had a a band with Beverly Hills lawyers representing us and, you know, shopping us to the labels, doing showcases. And along this journey of playing these clubs and doing this stuff, trying to get a record deal, I got the best deal out of all. I had an encounter with the real Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, who changed my life. He totally changed my life. He totally changed what I was aiming at, my motive, who I was, where I was going, why I was doing what I was doing. So I kind of walked away from pursuing the record deal as the holy grail of my life, if you will, as an idol, and I started to use music for the glory of God. I, I started writing songs with this bass player. He was a believer. And after a while, this guy said, you know what? I think I'm just going to go back out there and party it up. I'm really having a hard time trying, trying so hard to live right with God. I'm going back out there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This guy was married with kids. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that's it. I'm moving back to Hollywood. I'm going to start partying, doing what I want to do. I go, are you out of your mind? You know what he said? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more, right? Once saved, always saved, right? And I'm like, hold up. Hold up. You're way out of line. It doesn't mean it like that. Paul's saying the same thing. Hold up. It doesn't mean it like that. And yet many people misunderstand this and they can go off on tangents. I saw this guy years later. He was in a cult. Uh, Yeah, totally down the wrong line. Sad story, but a true story. Why? Because people need to know their identity. They need to know their God-given position. Once you know your God-given position, you'll never release it. You'll never give it up. You'll never sell out if you really know your God-given position. But many folks, even in the church, don't really know their God-given position. And the bummer is they buy the next thing that comes along. They believe it. And the enemy's laughing. What happens is it renders a church ineffective. It doesn't make us the people of the resurrection. It doesn't make us the people who walk in the power of the Spirit, who are more than conquerors. It makes us people trying to cling on to the wheel and try to somehow work it out in our life in a way that we weren't designed to do. So, this passage in Romans 6 starts to bust this wide open. We're going to take this in sections. If you want to follow along, this is in your bulletin and a place to write some notes on this uh, topic of revelation regarding our identity. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we were united with him like that, like in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. but the life he lives, he lives to God. He starts out here with this theme that in order to live, you have to die. A lot of folks don't realize this with their identity and they they hear who Jesus is and they're like, that's good, I like Jesus, I will add him to my backpack. I want the security of what he promises and what he offers. Yes, he's a good teacher, he's loving, God sent him, great, I'll accept him. And they don't really understand the first thing about the kingdom of God. They don't understand the first thing about his message. This is telling us, in order to live this life that he has, this new life, this abundant life, we gotta die first, not physically, but we gotta die to our old self. Jesus said, he who loses his life will find it. She who loses her life will find it. It's the first step of the kingdom to understand Uh, what this is all about. It's talking about our old self was crucified with him. Some of your translations will say the old man. The old man is a good term because there was an old man and there's a new man. There was an old woman and a new woman. We got to get this down because some don't get this and they're really confused with their, with who they really are and their struggles and their pursuit of trying to walk with God, but being confused and Am I any different from the world? I just, you know, I try to read my Bible or go to church, but I got the same issues. And and these are realities that we all struggle with, guys. But this week and next week, we're gonna bust this wide open where I believe you will have such a better understanding of your identity that you're you're gonna get some great revelations, some great tools. Um, This is talking about the old man. This is talking about who we were in Adam. And it says that our former life was crucified with Jesus. Our old man, our old self, our old nature, what the Bible would refer to as our carnal mind, the way we used to think and act and do, that was crucified with Jesus. And anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, this is what many people miss. Many people understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, right? Many don't. Understand that Jesus died on the cross with your old nature. Your old nature and mine. We don't know that. The devil doesn't want you to know that. Because if you don't know that, then you're just dealing with life on a sin-by-sin basis and you've never dealt with the nature. You never dealt with your new nature. You never dealt with the old nature. And you never get to walk in the victory of the position the way God sees you. We walk around... The way the devil sees us sometimes, struggling with our sin, and I do the things I don't want to do, and here I go again, and we're just looking down day by day, dealing with the stuff that comes up. This is saying that anyone who's in Christ, the old nature's died with him. This is profound. We're going to visit this again in a minute, but if you're a note taker, please write this down. My old nature was crucified with Christ. My old nature, not just your sin, Jesus died for the sins of the world, absolutely, but this is revelation, he also took on your old nature, your old man, see, you're part one and part two, the part one, the old part, he took that on, many folks don't get that, they don't know, and, and they, they end up in a, in, a, in a compromised position regarding their identity. Um... Romans 5 tells us that the second Adam, Jesus, completely overturned the results of the first Adam. We got this new spiritual DNA. The Bible would call it the new man. So you're not the old man or the old woman anymore. There's the new man, the new woman. This is important because there's revelation in this. Even Nicodemus, you remember Nick? He came to Jesus at night, secretive. Hey, Jesus, we know you're sent from God. Tell me, what's the kingdom about? How do I get into the kingdom? I know you're the one, the messenger of God. How do I get into the kingdom? And and Jesus told Nicodemus, you gotta be born again of spirit. In other words, God's gonna take his spirit, new nature, new man, and put it inside of you. There's a term called regenerated, not the old man, but the new man. This is this new revelation. And Nicodemus is like, well, how is that gonna happen? And Jesus is like, You've got to be born again of water and of spirit. You came into this world naturally, but God wants to put his spirit. He wants to take away your old nature and put a new nature in. Are you willing to do that? So from the very beginning, Jesus has been disclosing this exchange of natures, if you will, and it's been happening through the Bible. We miss it sometimes. There's a new nature, and the new nature can free us from the domination of the old nature. Here's the thing. If Jesus has a new nature for us, which he does, why is it, why is it that you and I still choose to walk in the old nature? Because we do. It's a a struggle, right? Can I get some hands? Am I the only one? Amen. There's a struggle. There's a struggle with the old nature. And Paul knows it. So this isn't a, a guilt, shame, condemnation thing. This is revelation to take away any guilt, shame, and condemnation that you might have regarding the two natures. This week and next week. He's going to lay it wide open. So please don't miss out on next week's. If you want to know more, go back online and and on iTunes, we have the message from uh, Romans 5 on the first and second Adam. But why do we choose to walk in the nature of the first Adam when we've been given a new nature in Christ? It's a valid question. It's one that most folks don't really address. It's one that most folks say, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to fight harder. I'm just going to hold the wheel tighter because I can't, I keep doing the stuff I don't want to do and it's it's making me mad, I'm frustrated and, and they don't understand the natures and it's an ongoing struggle many have. Some go through their whole life and when you go through your whole life this way, you will not be one of those singing that song, this is my story, this is my song, won't be singing that. You'd be struggling, going, what is my story? What is my song? God's like, I got one for you. Walk in the new nature. You'll experience the story. You'll experience the song. Uh, This moves on in verse 11 and says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. He says something profound here. If you have your Bible, I would ask you to underline it in verse 11. Count yourselves, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God. Count yourselves. Some translation use the word reckon reckon we don't use that term very often today but it's a great term to count means to reckon it really means to have a day where you sat down you looked at it you did the math you got a conclusion you're not going to go back and go i wonder if you actually sat down you did the math you cracked the code you got it you underlined it you understood it and then you move on many folks have not had this day Even inside the church. They know Jesus is the Savior. He died for the sins of the world. But they struggle their whole life with the nature. Never walking in a freedom. Never walking in their new position. Why? There's a beautiful secret this morning, guys. It's a key to the kingdom of God. It's right here. They didn't count themselves. They didn't have a day of reckoning. There's got to be a day of reckoning. Not a concept that he died for the sins of the world. Yes, he did. That's a fact of life. But what about a personal day of reckoning? That's huge, guys. It's a day of reckoning. We know that he died for our deeds, but did you know he died for your nature? Did you know that? Did you know that there wasn't just a crucifixion? There was a co-crucifixion. Did you know that? It wasn't just Jesus dying on the cross. The way this happens, he didn't just die for the sins of the world. He died for your old nature. Get a visual of that. Your old nature and mine nailed there with him. It's pretty profound if you ask me. This is a huge revelation. Most folks skip this. They don't even think about it. They, they, they struggle and they go, well, no, I got all my old nature. It's still right here. And it's like, no, Paul's like, you don't know what happened at the cross. You know, the beauty of the cross, guys, when I became a believer, I was pretty blown away. I, I started to realize what exactly happened on the cross, that he died for my sins, and there's new beginnings there. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And then pretty soon, after I got that understanding, I said, I want to move on. I don't want to hear about like, evangelism and the cross. I want to move, move on. I want to know about spiritual warfare. I want to know about gifts of the Spirit. I want to know about these dimensions of intercession, and I want to know about this other stuff in the kingdom of God. I'm at a place now where I just want to keep coming back to that cross. Because the more you look at the cross, the more you understand that went down there, you understand the ground is level at the cross. There's transformation from death to life at the cross. Not only your sins, the old nature was at the cross. There's new beginnings. There's victory. There's so much stuff that happened at the cross. I keep finding myself going, wow, if I go back to the cross and look at it, there was a day of reckoning. That happened at the cross. I hope we realize it. But not just your sin was nailed on that cross. If you can hold on to that visual this morning. But your old nature. Think of yourself, gentlemen, this morning as a son of Adam. And picture the son of Adam on the cross with Jesus. Ladies, as a daughter of Eve. Think of yourself, your old nature, nailed there with him. Not just your sins, your old nature. Because that's what the word says is a spiritual reality. This is a spiritual fact of life. But we don't realize it. We don't hold on to it. And we keep fighting, trying harder and trying harder. Over these next two weeks, there's going to be revelation and breakthrough on these natures and where the victory lies. It's really important stuff. Second question this morning is, have you had your day of reckoning yet? You've got to reckon. You've got to count yourselves dead. You've got to see your old nature on that cross, not just your sin. Have you had that day? Second point, have I had my day of reckoning yet? Because when you have, it does change everything. The devil's like, please don't have your day of reckoning. Yes, Jesus died for the sins of the world, but don't have your day of reckoning because once you understand your old nature is there, the devil's like, I got nothing to work with. But if you just hold on to your old nature and think you're carrying it around with you everywhere you go, he's like, good, I got some stuff to work with here. It's really, really important. Oswald Chambers says this, have you made that decision about sin, that it must be completely killed in you? It is the greatest moment in your life once you decide that sin must die in you, not simply be restrained, suppressed, or counteracted, but crucified. Warren Wearsby says this, We cannot yield to God and get victory over the flesh unless we first reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin and alive in Christ. But we cannot reckon ourselves dead unless we know our position in Christ. Satan does not want us to live up to our high position in Jesus Christ, so he tries to confuse us about our victory in the Son of God. It's not enough to know that Jesus Christ died for us. We must also know that we died in Christ. It's not enough to know that we have a new natures within us. We must also know that the old nature was dealt with on the cross. The answer to the problem of sin is not simply determination, discipline, reformation, legislation, and other human endeavor. Victory comes through crucifixion and resurrection. It's a huge thing, guys. Have a day of reckoning where you go, you know what? I get it. I see it. I understand it. It's really... Really important. I think, guys, if we go deep on what he covers in Romans 5, about the first and second Adam, what he covers in Romans 6, about our old and new nature, and then what he's going to cover next, why, what about when we still do the things we don't want to do? What do, we, what do we do with that? How should you feel? Should you feel beat up, guilty, ashamed? That's not what he's going to say. But, but, but what do we do? How do we navigate this life when this stuff creeps up in our life? How do we do it? It's really important to walk in the victory. Wearsby says the devil doesn't want you to know your position in Christ. He doesn't want you to have that victory. But these are some radical keys to understanding your identity and mine, to understand our old nature and our new nature, and to walk in some profound victory. Uh, It moves on in verse 14 and says, For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace." What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to somebody, to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to that one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them to slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. You might want to underline this in verse 21. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that last verse right there. Paul's always dropping the gospel in there. Some people, you ask them, what's the gospel? They'll tell you, John three sixteen. Paul is dropping it right in here. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, it's free, is in Jesus Christ. He's got that all through his his writing. But the passage is reminding us of one main thing. We have a new position. Be reminded of your new position. There is a new freedom. It is saying positionally, positionally, not the way you feel, position. Your position through the eyes of the Father looking down at you through what happened at the cross through Jesus Your position, whether you think it or feel it, is that you are free. You've been set free and you have a new freedom. The old man is nailed to the cross, crucified. We don't always think that. We don't always feel that. But that's a reality. And he's trying to tell us of this new position. And if you've been set free, to stay walking in the freedom. Because the old nature isn't yours anymore. And so we gotta be careful which natures we choose to walk in because we have a new one. Our third point this morning is this. We choose to be a slave to anything we allow to master us. We choose, it's a choice. We have a new nature. God's looking down going, whoa, son, (laughs) what are you doing? You got a new nature. Your old one was nailed to the cross, not just your sins, but your nature. What are you choosing to do down there? That's not who you are. You're a different person now. I see you as righteous, blood-bought, free. Why are you choosing to walk into slavery? Do you see the the difference now? This is a positional thing. And, And through our position in Christ, there's a freedom that we have. The third point is we choose to be a slave to anything we allow to master us. Anything you and I choose to submit to or get caught up in as a choice, we choose to be a slave to it. We choose to say, shackle me. Now, we don't think we're doing that when we're doing that, But the Bible says we choose to be. So there's choices of slavery and there's choices of freedom. Ephesians 4.22 says, you were taught with regard to your former life to put off the old self, the old man, which is being corrupted by his deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here is a... The reason we're going deep on on this topic, guys, of identity and, and nature is because, honestly, if we don't come to terms with this, this is what we do. We will all do this. It's a natural attribute of our humanity. We will tend to go around and not put off that old man. We will try to prop up that old man. We will try to take that old man, tweak him, tune him up a little bit, Fix him up, put a smile on his or her face, and say, it's all good, I'm doing better. I'm trying harder. And really, we're still dealing with the old man, but we're still trying to fix the old man up. And we can go through our whole life trying to tune up the old man, to present the old man in a better way, saying, I think I got a little better handle on it now, as we struggle through life. And I want you to get a visual on this. Because I think if we can really see our old nature, our old man on the cross, and get a visual on what we do, I I think it'll help us not try to revive the old man anymore. Picture this. Picture your old self was crucified with Christ. Your old nature. That's you 1.0. Now you are 2.0. You're a new creation. You're regenerated, okay? But the old one was crucified with Christ. That's your old nature. You can close your eyes if it helps you get the visual on this. But your old nature was nailed with him. And so say you're at home and you're sitting there at your house and the old you is in the, in the coffin right there. Okay, this is not somebody else. This is not morbid. This is you. This is, and you got some friends coming over. So you take the old you out, have them sitting up on the couch. Maybe even put a bowl of chips in front of them. Spray a little cologne. Try to get a smile on his face somehow. He's falling down. Maybe even put the remote in his hand. And so when your friends come over, it's, no, it's all good. It's everything's fine. It sounds ridiculous. But you know what? That's exactly what we do in our lives with the old man. The old nature, we try to prop up the old nature. The old man, like, "Eh, that's all good. And we, we don't crucify it we don't leave it there we bring it back we try to revive it but this time i'll try to do it a little better i'll just work a little harder i'll just strain a little harder maybe if i just do more of this and we're in this works mentality of i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying and i'm dying trying because we're trying to revive the old man and it sounds ridiculous but that is what we do old man is already dead can't be fixed stop trying trying Move on. There's liberation in that. Until we come to terms with this, we won't stop trying. We'll try to be a better person. We'll try self-help. We'll try to curb our appetites. We, we still continue to do the things we've always done, the way we thought, the way we've reacted, our old emotional self, our old methods and patterns and desires. All of that stuff keeps coming out because we still try to keep the old man propped up in some kind of way, shape, or form. Jesus said, Stop trying like that. (laughs) He would say, without me, apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus would say. You don't have the capacity, I don't have the capacity to tune up the old man. See, the Pharisees were trying this for many, many years. The Jews, if I just did this, then I would be right. I could take my old nature and if I just, you know, don't do work on the Sabbath. And if if I do this and if I cleanse myself this way and if I... Study this much Torah, and if I do these things, I can make the old man good enough. And Jesus is saying, you guys don't get it. This was to conclude that apart from me, you can do nothing. There's the conclusion of the old way. There's the conclusion. That's Jesus dropping the bomb, saying, here's the conclusion. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's what he's telling us today. Many people hear that Jesus died for their sins, and they receive him in their hearts, but they never go on to discover their true Liberty that they have in Christ. Uh, Wearsby says this Christians are living beneath their exalted position in Christ. They're living like slaves when they could be reigning like kings. I believe that's true, guys. There's a position. There's a position that the believer has in Christ. We are co heirs with him, heirs, heirs to the throne. We are no longer sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We are now sons, and daughters of God. To as many that would receive him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God, sons and daughters. There's a new position. It's a spiritual fact of life. But if we don't know it and hold on to it, we just keep trying to navigate. Keep hanging on to that wheel and keep trying harder. But you're gonna be dying as you're trying because it'll kill you, kill the Pharisees. It'll kill us today. Guys, there's an old nature and a new one. Next week, we're gonna talk about dealing with it. What do you do when that old nature rears up and comes back and tries to jump on your back? It's a reality, it happens to all of us. The fourth point this morning is that, guys, to, to know your new position. Know it. Know your new position. It's not just that your sins were forgiven. Yes, they were. But along with that, there's a whole new dimension of life. For you. You have a new identity. The old nature is gone. A new one's been given to you. You are a co-heir with Christ. You were seen as righteous through the eyes of the Father. So know your position, receive it, embrace it, and walk in it. This is the number one thing the devil does not want you to do. To know your position, receive it, embrace it, and walk in it. He's got many walking wounded because they don't know this. They don't understand this. This is the key to the kingdom of God. This is a key where you can walk in your full identity and you don't have to go through your life even as a believer going, well, who am I really? You're going, I know my new position. I embrace it, I receive it and I'm gonna walk in it because this is the way the Father sees me. I know the way the devil wants me to see myself but that was me 1.0. That was the old me, that was the old man that died. I'm in new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus. And the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And that's why Paul can live his life like in Galatians 2.20 and say, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. In other words, I know who I was. I was a son of Adam. I was born that way and I lived that way. But when I had a real encounter with the resurrected Jesus, I became a son of God. I look at the cross and I know what went down there. Not just my sins, my old nature. He's given me a new one. I've been crucified with him. I no longer live. That old Brian is dead. Now, does that old Brian try to come back? Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about dealing with it when it comes back. But to know the old one died. There was a day of reckoning, a day in history. And the life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for you. We're going to close in prayer this morning. I just want to pray God seals some things in our hearts. And um, let's just bow our heads for a second. Mighty God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.